I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to Unashamed. Um, we got Zach with us out there from North Carolina. It's interesting because Zach was, we've been doing some other recordings today and Zach said, oh, y'all are, y'all are, y'all hadn't gotten as far as I thought. And I said, well, we were doing some ads and Jace was in a bloviated mood. And so it oh, took boy. a while to get, to get those uh, ads done. So he's, that, he's got, he's got he's, his phone out for those who aren't watching. Out. He's looking it up. <laughs> bloviated. Bloviated. But Al said it, not bloviated. me. So. Huh. I thought it had something to do with y'all's anatomy. Uh, oh, that's bloviated. Oh, I see what you did there. Bloviate is to talk at length, especially in an inflated or empty way. Well, some people are bloated and some people are bloviate. I think I got the better deal out of that. Uh, that's pretty good comeback. I figured, that's what, yeah. that's what I wanted to open the podcast with this because Jace, I always like to get your take on things and let you defend yourself. Because I was talking bad about you off, off camera. So, well, people that bloviate without being bloviated, they tend the even though they talk at length, it's not so much hot air. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for bloviated. I don't see that one in there, but that's. A, I don't uh, think that's an actual word. I always called it bloated. Uh, thank you. Bloated is blowing smoke. Yeah. Well, that's right. But. Well, Jace has had a lot of added extra content that mm-hmm. is not usable for the for the podcast or for ads. So that was the bloviated part. Well, I just figured I was pontificating in a way that was interesting. <laughs> There's a good word. Pontif- we have bloviating and pontificating in the that's same podcast. Bad. So, Jace, mm-hmm. your, your podcast, I mean, not your podcast, your vocabulary is really expanding because of this podcast. And I People think you think you're that. an educated man. Yeah. Well, what happened on the last podcast is y'all gave me a headache. So y'all got so deep when uh, Larry Bowles and Zach started pontificating <laughs> on. <laughs> I wasn't even sure what I believed. I was thinking, I hope I'm still in. what just happened (laughs) well most of that was in the overtime segment i didn't i yeah i mean i didn't say anything till i got to the overtime segment and then we ended the podcast y'all y'all gave me the final word and i was like how much Mm -hmm. time do i got and y'all are like well we're out of time and i'm like and i got the final word i'm like i disagree that was my final word just that that was pretty simple yeah the final word for zach was he's out of time because it was just to you know remind the audience we were talking about the trinity and the triune nature of god which is not the easiest concept to wrap your brain around anyway so to to be fair yeah Uh, and, and larry had kind of a interesting the way he put it was it was a question that keeps him up at night it's a question i hadn't even thought of so i'm certainly not losing any sleep over it as to were were the relationships between the deity uh the father son the spirit were they always like that and have they always been the same i mean is that a i'm trying to simplify it in a yeah i mean it's pretty that's a pretty deep concept i'm not sure exactly what Every time we mentioned Larry Bowles, was that thunder? That again? was thunder was that made me jump. My heart. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That is, there's I'm, something going on. There's so, this man has got a leak into the Almighty. We better not talk about it anymore. I'm afraid to go any further here. I mean, oh, man. Oh, man, that's funny. 
no, I think the yeah the discussion was uh, was is God was is God eternally a Father, Son, and Spirit? I would say yes. Um, you know, and I I think I've got good reason to believe it. Um, and I don't know if he would say uh, disagree with that or not because we really uh, uh, we it was kind of we just didn't have a lot of time to we, really we didn't have enough time to get into it because he had kind of he kind of made the implication from John one that it changed when Jesus became flesh. And so that was kind of what I got out of it. So then he had some other verses in Isaiah. He talked well, why don't we just look at it? Cause since said discussion, uh, you know, I, I studied a little bit, but why don't we go through a few of the verses? I'll try to represent the common man. Cause I am a common <laughs> man. I, I may talk a lot, but I'm not real sophisticated. And I think where maybe this discussion launched from is because that is an interesting verse in Isaiah 9 in verse 6, where it says, for, for to us a child is born. I mean, you hear this every Christmas. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, that phrase, Everlasting Father, in a reference to Jesus being the Son of God, I think that's where that got launched. 100% oh. God. Two, 100% human. Yes. How about Jesus? You got yeah, Jesus. Jesus. The, the, the how that came about, we born of a woman, all of this done before the beginning of time, so it's beyond our, the scope of understanding exactly how that came to be. Well, it is for me and you, I think. But these guys who read these books, and uh, <laughs> I think we— I'm the guy know. that has a book. That's me. I, you train me well, Phil. I've only, I've only read the Bible, and I do think you have to be careful when you go down rabbit holes in reading other people's explanations in that it's like, in this case, the more knowledge you have— the more confusing it can be. Yep. So what I would like to do is just ask three or four questions, and let's talk about them, because I think these are simple questions in familiar verses that maybe Zach can take the lead on uh, as an explanation. But so, Because what I thought was, number one, you know, on this particular verse, and tying in with John 1.1, 1, 1, when it says, in the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when you get to 14, it says the Word became flesh. You get to verse 17, Jesus, the one and only, or begotten, has made God known. So my first question would be, since Isaiah is obviously referring to the coming of Jesus, is what does that mean when it says Jesus is and was the word in the beginning he was with god the word so what 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 do y'all think about that i think that's a simple question that people would wonder well what what he became flesh and we know and Jesus putting died. everything under him god left nothing that is not subject to it yet at oh, present where yet we tell do us, not tell us where you're at hebrews chapter 2 Hebrew chapter about two. verse 8, 
We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation, that's you, I, and the rest of us, perfect through suffering, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Blood kin with, with the, the Son of God. You say, blood kin. I'll declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I'll sing your praises. And again, I'll put my trust in him. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. Yeah. And, and that passage does go, go on to say, like John 1 in verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared That's in their it. humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That's as deep as I'm going to dig. Well, that's why I, I had brought up. It'll, it'll spin it, get your head spinning if you, if you start well, yeah. saying, what well, in the world? Let's do a little head spinning. It's all right. I brought up that C.S. Lewis quote about it's not in God's nature to suffer, to surrender, to submit. He's God. When you look at the, his omnipotence, his omniscience, yeah. all-knowing, all-power, his whatever the word is for being everywhere at the same time. Uh, he's eternal. But if he became a man, all of a sudden, he could do something perfectly being God, which is he could die, he could suffer, he could surrender. And so then you get to the Philippians 2, 5 passage, which says he... he emptied himself, which I think is the biggest controversial lightning rod on what that means. He emptied himself, taking the nature of a human, and he became obedient, blood, even death on a blood cross. Blood kin, from the beginning, blood kin. Yeah. So, Zach, do you want to respond yet, or do you want me to ask some I more mean, questions? He showed us how we could live. He showed us perfection on behavior. Right. I mean, 100% right. flawlessly perfect. Well, before Zach answers, let me say this. I've always thought that the reason Jesus being God, being eternal, always existing, he just, when it, when it said he emptied himself, I've always thought, now I could be wrong, and it's okay. Y'all can use me as a guinea pig. I thought it was like, it wasn't necessarily that he emptied any part of being God, but he just took on being a human. And by doing that, I read an illustration one time, a long time ago, I forgot who wrote it, but it was like, by doing that, it's like there was an emptying based on him adding being a human. And the illustration was this, and y'all can pick it apart if you want. And th cause this is just the way I wrap my head around it. So let's say a guy goes to a, a, a place where you buy cars and you have a brand new car that's awesome. And the guy says, look, can I take it on a test drive? And so when he does, he just, you know, he checks it out. He, he uh, you know, revs it up. He takes off. But 
along the way, he sees a muddy field, and as most rednecks do, and this is why this illustration was appealing to me, he wanted to see how it would do in the mud. So he goes out there and just, I mean, lights it up, encases the vehicle with mud, brings it back to the dealership, and now it looks unrecognizable from what it was. And the illustration was told in light of Philippians 2, 5, because it's still that same car. Nothing changed. He just added a lot of mud, and all of a sudden, it's in reality disguising the glory of the new car because mud has been added to it. And so that was the illustration I heard of Philippians 2. Jesus, you know, all the deity lives uh, where's that verse? All the deity lives in bodily in, form. In bodily Colossians. Form. Yeah, Colossians 2. But by him becoming a human, it that became disguised a bit. And that's why when he went around saying, I'm the son of God, but he also said, I'm the son of man, almost an equal amount of time. It was a little harder to wrap your head around because you're like, well, aren't you that carpenter from... So the mud, in essence, would represent the him taking on human that was the illustration pick it apart go ahead zach now i would i was going to say if you back up a little bit i think because i was when i thought about this after the podcast i was like why does it matter um because i think that's an important question that is correct and i I think it it does matter in this way but there is a, a raging debate on does the father eternally proceed i mean does the son eternally proceed from the father and all that's there's a whole bunch of stuff on that but that good people disagree on, but I'll borrow from a guy named Michael Reeves that I, that I think has written a really good book about this and has a good biblical uh, defense of it. Uh, when he says that the most foundational thing that you can know about God is that he's not, it's not some abstract quality, but that, that God is a father. That's the most fundamental thing about God that we can know. And he says, a father is a person just think about it. Who, what is a father? A father is a person who gives life and begets children. So if before all things, God was eternally a father, then this God is an inherently outgoing, life-giving God. He didn't, he didn't give life for the first time when he decided to create from eternity. He has been life-giving. And I, so for the reason why I kind of was pushing back is because I think that even the gospel itself is rooted in the nature of God. It's flowing from his nature. And so when you have an eternal God that is a re, that is three persons, what is the distinction between those persons? And I think that the scripture teaches that it is that he is fundamentally father, son, and spirit even before the New Testament. And now I know Larry's point was when the old, he had, had like a couple Old Testament references but the but the the New Testament, think about it. I mean, the concept of of God even being triune was not fully explained until I mean, there was references to it in the Old Testament. Genesis one, in the beginning was the word. The words. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, um, in the image of God, He created them both male and female. You had that that singular language and the plural language in the description of God. He made yeah. them. Let us make man in our image. He created them in His image. So you have like these these morsels that God may be triune. But you don't really understand that until the coming of the New Testament. So you can't look at the Old Testament and try to make your case there because you're, you're, you don't have a full picture. So then when you move to the New Testament, 
And you see how Jesus describes himself repeatedly as the son. And, you know, we mentioned Psalms 2. Uh, t- today, I have, uh, you've become my son. Or, or you, uh, what is that? The Psalms 2 passage that we mentioned. Psalm 2, 7. So when we talked to the folks at uh, Jace Medical, uh, my first question was probably one that they don't get from other uh, podcasts. And that was, why did you name it Jace? Because I have a brother named Jace. And uh, I found out, Jace, it had nothing to do with you. So you should feel okay. This isn't your company. Uh, and I'm sure people will ask you about that. Uh, he actually told me that Jace means medical healer uh, in old English. And so that's something he learned in med school. And then also he had a dog he really liked named Jace. So uh, they call it Jace Medical. Um, and the, the good thing about this company is they help you purchase a 12-month emergency supply of your current daily prescription medication. And as someone who takes um, medication every day, there are times uh, when I need this. And uh, one of those is when I'm traveling outside the country. Uh, for those of you out there, it may be just worried about supply chain issues, uh, stuff going on around the world. We know how quickly a uh, pandemic or reliance on China can change your access to medication. This helps you be able to get that medication you need uh, a year's worth, and you're not be able to do that any other way. And so it's pretty simple. You go online, you fill out a form, uh, then you get your Jace daily prescription delivered right to your door. And so they're going to give you the peace of mind that you need when you go to jacemedical.com, enter the code unashamed at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code unashamed at jasemedical.com. While you're looking up Psalms 2, I, I said I was going to represent the common man because you hurriedly went through that Genesis 1, but it that is a that, that that's something I think that's a really good point. I mean, you had you had the spirit hovering over the waters. That's the first verse, Genesis 1. You have God about to create, you know, the everything we see. And then I always thought that when God said, the word said, because the Jesus in the beginning was the word, I thought it was the expression or the communication of God. Now, he became flesh, but he was part of that Godhead, because when you get to Genesis one twenty six, which you just quoted, and God uh God said, let us make man in our image. But I always viewed the word said, that communication, as the expression or the word of God, who is Jesus, who has always been part of the Godhead, who became flesh later on. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the, a word, the logos, the word, it's a, think about that. It is an expression. It's the expression of God the Father. And so it's proceeding out of, but it's not something that just happens. Like there wasn't a moment when the, when the word began to proceed from the mouth of God, it that's eternity past. And so we said, well, that's hard to understand Well, that. Yeah. And I I think that brings us to kind of what Calvin's point was about understanding the Trinity. He's like, you you can't understand. We were never going to fully grasp the triune God. All we can do is understand what's been revealed in scripture. And he says, when, I, I think the phrase is like he almost like he he lisped to us through rev, through uh, self revelation, meaning that he almost condescends in a way like you talk to a kid. 
and you're, and you know, you kind of change your, your voice when you're talking to your, to your two-year-old you know, child. Well, that's, that's how God does when he communicates himself to us because he's so high above us. But, but this idea though, that he's primarily father, um, son and, 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 and spirit eternally, I think is important. <clears throat> and then when you get to Psalms two, he says, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today, I have begotten you. And I, when I read that, the first question that I had was, when is the today that he has begotten the son? And I think that question is interesting, but I think it's twofold. I think I think it's eternally, but I also think there was a moment in the New Testament when this happened. You guys remember in Acts um, 13, uh, 32 and 33, uh, let me pull that up. But he, uh, this is this is uh, Paul um, essentially going through the whole story of redemption. I mean, he goes from the Exodus to the. I mean, he goes through several key points um, in Israel's history, um, all the way through John the Baptist. He's like, and then John the Baptist came, and and he was paving the way for Jesus. So he's he's kind of like summing up church history, or at least the Jewish history history uh, in a, in a sermon. And then he says this in verse 32, and now, let's see, and now he witnessed to the people, and we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children, and here's, here's how he fulfilled it, in that he raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. So I think that today that he's talking about here, when God said this to him, ultimately was at the resurrection. Like this was like the, the summation of this. It was the, so this, this Psalms two reference um, Romans 1, 3, Paul presents the basis for the good news from two vantage points. He presents it one, he's, he roots Jesus in the lineage of David. That's his human nature that Phil talked about, 100% man. But then he also talks about the resurrected life in verse 4. So he says he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the question is, when was the Son of God declared to be the Son of God in power? And that answer is it was at his resurrection. It was the resurrection of the dead. And so this guy that I was reading, uh, I thought he summed it up well, uh, Jason Meyer. He said this declaration in Psalms 2, it, it's a moment of enthronement because he is the son of God in power. So the phrase power is related to the first phrase descended from David. He fulfills the promise of the royal son of David who would rule on Jerusalem's throne. So in this podcast, we talk a whole lot about the temple. We talk a whole lot about the throne. We talk a whole lot about the kingdom. I think what this means is, is that what was happening in Psalms 2, what would, that was a messianic prophecy of the prophesying of the coming of the, the David, the, 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 the Messiah, the Davidic king, but he's coming in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're seeing the summation of all of the, this earthly and heavenly kingdom that's being realized in the person of Jesus. And so that's what I think he's talking about. And that's what I think this moment of Psalms two is referencing. And so if that's true, 
then you have to think about what about all those other passages when Jesus before Jesus's resurrection when he, when he refers to himself as the Son of God, like he was clearly the Son of God before this Psalms two references is my point. Does that make sense? I think uh, this is just my opinion of what Larry's point was is that he was saying when Christ came here. Uh, was the fulfillment of that idea, which is a little bit different than what you just said, Zach. And and that was affirmed in moments like when Jesus was baptized, remember, and you see the Holy Spirit. And what, what, did, what was the voice of the Father? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I mean, and, uh, it, it, you know, it, that does need to be addressed why Jesus, you know, he didn't do any miracles before he got the Holy Spirit. He surrenders because he, you know, he's a man. I've always thought that he did that. I may be wrong on this. This is just how my brain works. I thought when Jesus became a man and died and was buried and raised and made the Spirit available so that we could become God-like, it was like this is the path. I never went any further than that. I just thought he became a man because the the true awesome nature of God, to go back to that quote again, is not a weak, surrendering, submissive. I mean, this he's so much more powerful than us. But he became a man to do that, motivated by love and us, and then showed us that path by becoming the man, you know, adding the mud to go back to the illustration. So that then we could in turn do that in reverse, put our faith and trust in Jesus, allow his power inside of us, which would then in the end at the resurrection, we would be like him. You know, first John three. Am I wrong on that? No, I don't think you are. I think that I think that the 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 Psalms two reference, though, is my point is, is that that is a reference. I think that what he's talking about there is what is happening at the resurrection of Jesus, that there's this vindication. Yeah, it started when, with his incarnation, but it wasn't finished until, you know, the resurrection. That, that's when the thing was fully, uh, uh, I guess, summated, or so that's, that's, a, that's a word, but the summation of it was in that moment. And so today you become my father. It seems to be, you know, Paul uh, seems to be linking it directly to the resurrection of Jesus. And I think that's the other passage in John, uh, was it Acts 17 that he says by, by uh, Jesus, he's going to, by this man, he's going to judge all things. And he's given proof of this by raising him from the dead. So this resurrection of this. So my point is if, if this is when this is happening, then what do we do with these verses before, like John 17, 24, Father, he says, you love me before the creation of the world. So it seems to be a father-son relationship before the creation of the world. John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except for me. This is all happening before Jesus' resurrection. Uh, I think it's because he's giving us a clue um, the whole throughout his whole ministry of uh, that, that there is a there is an eternal relationship of a father who is eternally generating a son eternally. It's never been a, there's never been a moment when that, that wasn't reality. And so God in his very essence is life giving. And that the spirit is, is that relate or that love between these two is an actual person. And it just, uh, that to me is, is so beautiful 
because what it says is is that it's just a reference that we can it's the one reference that we can kind of understand if you had a, a good father in your life but if you didn't i get why that could be difficult now to see the point hang hang on hang on jace let's take another break so i don't know if you guys remember uh back in the old days we first started duck commander it was a pretty simple operation i mean it, you know we were making duck calls but then the whole connection to the outside world was really just a telephone. Do y'all remember that? Dad, that that wall telephone that basically oh, we yeah. were hoping people would call us and, yep. and, and place an order, right? Yep. There were no, there were no computers. No computers. Uh, really, inventory was writing it down on a piece of paper uh, just to know kind of what we had. And so, so much has changed, obviously, in the business world. Uh, and that's even kind of hard for people to fathom in this day and age. And one of our sponsors is a group called NetSuite. And what they do is they help you have everything you need, which is way more than we started with, uh, to be able to make fast decisions. Um, for the first time also in NetSuite's 25 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of full NetSuite implementation for six months. So that's no payment, no interest. Uh, for six months, some special financing, which is also very good. Uh, they're number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, help boost your efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, their HR, their inventory, their e-commerce, so much more than we ever even thought about in the old days. So if you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, you know that this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at NetSuite.com slash Phil. That's netsuite.com slash Phil. Get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. Netsuite.com slash Phil. And I think that's, I think we're in a very similar neighborhood because I, I, what I took from what Larry was saying is all what you said is right, Zach, but we would never realize that unless Jesus came here and showed us what that relationship is because to his point you didn't see people calling god yahweh father but the proof is the proof you're right behind the proof the proof to be proven all of this as far as the resurrection of the dead goes that is the proof the, the end will come when the, he hands over the kingdom to god the father after he's destroyed all dominion authority and power he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed, to clear all this up on the power of Jesus Christ. Was he God or was he not God? It'll all be worked out. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's the final proof. Dead men and women coming out of the ground to live forever. Then you can say, I see how this marched all the way down. And he is who he said he is, God in flesh. That's as deep as you need to dig. <laughs> Apparently. Because you're going to know whether there was something to this or not, or you're going to be in a hole in the ground for 
however long the whole thing lasts. Well, and I think there's good people disagree on this. I mean, one, as I was researching this, I mean, the conquering of, the guys, of death is beyond. It's it, it, it's a big thing with God. Well, because if He doesn't fix that, we're done. Well, the only problem I see after listening to Zach is what does it? I mean, He was the Word. He is the Word, but He became flesh. Something happened. You have to account for there. There was an earth shattering, literally, yeah, happening there. So, in your dissertation, I think you're not really addressing that issue. That that was just my my take. Well, I well because I, I no, I, I should address that. I think that that you you have Father, Son, Spirit, Eternal. Like that's that is the God of the Bible, and then you have that God who incarnates through the Son. And so the Philippians mm-hmm. 2 passage is, when you mentioned that earlier, he doesn't empty himself of divinity. He he just takes on an additional nature of a servant and being found in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. That's the so, condescension so you liked, of God. So you liked my illustration then? About the um, car. I always get weird about. I, it's, I don't know. I don't know. If well, I, like I, I mean, look, <laughs> you can you can take it or leave it. You you can leave the yeah. car. You you don't have to go drive the car. But in my simple mind, this this if this is not helpful, you know, drop it. You know, flush it down the commode. But I just thought it's hard for me to read a verse that says he emptied himself because the next question that ninety nine point nine percent of people would ask is, well, what did he empty? And so then what I'm then I answered the question after doing study and research and remembering what I used to think yeah. about this is like most people say, well, it wasn't necessarily that he threw something out the window. It was that he added something to his nature that, in essence, changed his uh, I mean, I don't know the word. For that. It changed forever him going forward because I I believe he's still a man. I believe he's still God, you, you know? So, so that there was something that happened there. Now, I, know, I, 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 get, I see what you're saying. I, I, there's an analogy I heard one time that I kind of liked. Uh, I actually heard it from a guy named William Lane Craig, who I think actually would disagree with the Nicene Creed, which is that Christ, that, that, that God is eternally father. Uh, he's actually written an article on this, um, as I was researching it. Um, but I like his work a lot, he, and, and I respect him a lot. I think he's super sharp. But he he talked about this phenomenon, he, and uh, when he's describing what's known as the that Christ has two natures: the dual nature of Christ. You have his divine nature and his human nature, and the and the human nature is the one that he took on. He 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 made the analogy of like a tuning fork. He said if you if you hit the tuning fork, what does it do? It, it makes a, a vibration, and you and it manifests itself in a sound. You can hear the zzz, you can hear it, you can hear the noise that it's making. So the manifestation of the tuning fork being hit is sound. You take the same tuning fork and you put it in a vacuum and you hit it. It doesn't manifest in sound because it's in a different paradigm. And he says the same way with Christ in his divine nature. The way that manifests in, uh, is that he is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. All of the things that God is. And in his human nature, he is limited. Um, it manifests itself in a limitation of I don't even know when the when the end is. Only the Father, my Father in heaven, knows that. And so you see Christ 
um, has he has this dual nature that can manifest itself in different ways depending on the realm that he's occupying, if that makes sense. I think it's safe to say that um, through the years, one of the things we've always focused on when you come into a duck blind with us is gun safety. Is that, is that a fair thing to say? <laughs> what <laughs> gave it hell? away? The speech before the hunt, which is always <laughs> – uh, it's always there. We do a safety speech. Well, it's almost kind of awkward because you're not sure where they're at, but you can't assume anything, right? Because you you have to know there's etiquette with a gun. And so we have to have that speech every time you take somebody hunting because you don't know what they know. Yeah. And uh, I think the idea of gun safety is a big um, thing behind one of our sponsors, Barrel Buddy, uh, because a clean weapon is also safer. It, and I found that out the hard way in my own life before. Uh, if you have something in the barrel and you're trying to get, you know, steel to come out of a barrel, that's not a good thing. And so that's what they try to do uh, is help us have a cleaner gun barrel. Uh, they they have a polymer that pushes outward uh, to fill the interior of your gun barrel. And that makes sure uh, to clean your shotgun barrel, your rifling grooves, whatever kind of gun that you're using. So it's a 3D cylinder. It's made out of white polymer. So you're able to scrub and collect those particles and then see what comes out. So all these things make it safer. Uh, we want you to check them out, uh, you gun enthusiasts out there and hunters. BarrelBuddy.com is where you go. B-A-R-R-E-L Buddy.com. Check them out. So let me read this. So this is Romans 9, uh, verse 3. I'm kind of taking that out of context, but I just think... I mentioned this to Larry, but we didn't really discuss it. So Paul is writing to the Romans. He said, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. So he gives a little review of God choosing a nation. But then he says in verse 5, theirs, you know, from the nation of Israel, are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ. We have two genealogies. We've talked about them. Who is God forever? Who is God overall forever praised? I, I was curious what your translation uh, says to that. Zach, but so to me, to get back to Phil's point, you know, Paul seems to be making a point here in who Jesus is, which is you can trace his human ancestry. There's two genealogies, Matthew and Luke. Now, one of them is a little bit more curious because it's the, and we talked about that with the adoption yeah. of Joseph, yeah. and, and, and it's an interesting you know, thought, but the bottom line is Mary was a virgin and she gave birth to a son. His name was Jesus. And it was an, a fulfill. It was a fulfillment of Isaiah nine, but also uh, just to add one thing and then I'll let you comment. So when I ask my scholarly friends, I have a little pool of people because it's so hard for me to do the find, go down the rabbit hole and see what the Hebrew words mean. And so I asked him about that Isaiah nine. I was like, what does that mean? 
with the everlasting father, because I've never noticed that. But his first response was from the Hebrew word. He said, I think a better translation would have been eternal source. Now, I'm not sure. That's all he said. I just found that fascinating. But he's like, I, I don't think you. it would be as hard to wrap your head around if you've, if you've read that phrase. So I thought I'd bring that up just to add. I, I, yeah, actually, I think I agree with that. I actually agree. I, 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 that's, I, I think that's what I'm trying to say, that, that the Father is the eternal source of the Son, but there wasn't a time when the Son did not proceed or, or was not beaming out from the Father. And that's, and that, that's the, beauty, the beauty of what Michael Reeves writes about. Um, I think he does such a great job in the book, Delighting in the Trinity, which, is, I mean, like, it's one of the best books I've ever read on understanding who God is. And it, 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 it really inspired me when to think about God is, is an eternal fountain of life. I mean, and then you see that in the gospel. I think that's what you see in the gospel. You see the God flowing out of this, you know, you see this fountain of life. So even when you get to um, like first John four, eight, which I mentioned in a previous podcast gives a description of God. What does it say? God is love. And, I, and, and, and I've quoted that verse a thousand times, but you know what the very next verse, verse nine does? It links the definition of God as love with God being a father and son, because it says by this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. So I think there's this eternal nature of of the begot the son being begotten like that he's eternally being sourced or is sourced from the father or proceeds from the father and then i also think at the same th time that psalms 2 is there's the a begotten of the son that actually happens at the resurrection and i i think it's both um and i and i don't know if larry would disagree honestly i don't i don't think i don't think he would disagree yeah, on anything yeah that yeah you said. I, I i feel like we got into a discussion that we, both of us were you know we're like we weren't ready for uh such that but i think that we i would love to know his thoughts I, I don't know if he would say i don't know if larry would say that the son was not eternally son and the father wasn't eternally father I don't. I don't know if that's what he was saying. No, no, he wasn't saying that. I think what he was saying was we can't. We could never. Humanity could not see this relationship clearly. It was only alluded to in prophecy until Jesus came. And yeah, so, I it, agree with that. So, so I think I think that was his big point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. How do you have a relationship with something you don't know or understand? I mean, right. That's why when he said, if you, he would kept telling the disciples, no, you don't understand. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's the idea. That was the yeah. revelation of him being here. And to your point, Zach, I agree with the idea of the resurrection and you can't have a resurrection unless you have an incarnation, unless he became flesh to then rise from the dead, you wouldn't have that deliverance. So when I, when you see the story of Jesus and especially what he came to accomplish, that's why dad, you know, holds up the, the, you know, hieroglyphics, we call them. All that is the process of him being here to show us who the father is. You are correct. And, and that, and that's his point. You know, Larry made a statement at the, uh, the first of his sermon, which we didn't talk about at all in the podcast. And I love this because I've said it myself many times. I've never heard anybody else say it though. He said in heaven, now there's a human being who is outside of time and space. 
and that's never happened before Jesus. Well, that that's and, my whole point. Now is like which if I that think didn't was very happen, very powerful. Yeah, if that didn't happen, well, how are we going to get to get there? Yeah, you're not unless it's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's why he showed you. If okay. only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. Yeah, basically he yeah. showed us think the way. One, it all comes down to that resurrection. The return of God well, and the resurrection. And the Holy Spirit. Because when you read Romans 8, it says the same Holy Spirit well, sure. that resurrected Jesus from the dead, if it's living in you, will give life to your yeah. mortal bodies. I did not. When, as I got into this, it was just funny. <laughs> or I'm, I'm st- I was went back and pulled out all my books like this, which I won't even read the title of it because you'll make fun of me. But uh, but I went back and, and, and started <laughs> reading through stuff. And I was like, man, it's funny how when we get into a deep study on the Trinity, all roads lead to the resurrection. And, and, and which, Phil, I mean, you've kind of, I mean, if, 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 if I said, what is, if, Phil, when you're dead and gone, I'm gonna, and people say, what did he stand for? What did he, where did he put his flag in the sand? I'm going to say he put his flag in the sand at the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, it is this centerpiece. If the dead is- are not raised, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they're lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. He has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You say, what are you trying to say? That's who Jesus is. He has the power to do that. The Father sent him. He's God, 100%, and he's 100% man, and I'm glad he's 100% of each. <laughs> no, you're right. That's why I think when you read that Hebrews 1, 10, 11, that, that, that was a really... That was a really good that, that's reference, right. or maybe even nine. I mean, I'd like to read it again, just because he says, yeah, read it. In, in putting, or the second part of eight, in putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. I you mean, got he, it. he became a human. You got so it. in bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect yep. through suffering. There's the two combinations of what he did of God, you who's are perfect, correct. and man, he suffered. That's all you. So, that's all you need so, to know, Jason. So let me read the last verse. Both the one who makes men holy, so Jesus, and those who are made holy are of the same family because he became a man. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. So what? What's fascinating about this? He is the Son of God, but he's also a brother because he became a man. Yep. I mean. Where, where where did you start? What was it? What verse did you start with? Hebrews one, second part of six through eleven. 
Yeah, I was wanting to say that the other day, but I waited. I just waited. No, I think that was – well, that's why I read 14, though, because then it explains, well, since the children have flesh and blood, he shared their humanity. I mean, you, you know, you need – you could just keep going. But think about this, though. What, what you just read, this is what's interesting. If you back up one verse, one verse, what is it? It's a reference to Psalms 2. That's my point. <laughs> it's the yeah. same reference. He says, for – to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? That is the Psalms 2 reference. And again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. And and when he bring, uh, he uh, when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. But, but this is a, he is talking about the full gospel, meaning the death, the burial, and the resurrection. This is accomplished at the resurrection. That's why he says, uh, um, right before this in, in verse one through uh, four, he says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. So you can't really go to the Old Testament to get the full picture. You got to get the full picture in the New Testament when he says in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. When did he do that? Through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of the glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purifications for sin, this is the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, that's the resurrection, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. That is, He's talking about post-resurrected Jesus here. Then he moves into the 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 the, the, the messianic prophecy from Psalms two, which is I, again I, I think he's talking about post resurrected Jesus when he's talking in, in, in Psalms two. Um, I do think there's an element of an eternally begotten Son, but I think that the Psalms two reference is is talking about post resurrected Jesus. And if that's the case, then you got what do you do with all the other Son of God references that happened before he was resurrected? That's why the death of Jesus, his burial, and his resurrection, when someone challenges you and says, but I want to hear the deeper things of the, of the Bible, I said the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is as deep as you need to dig. And it's as deep it'll make you uh, your head spin around. But I keep going back. The only thing I'm pushing back on a little bit is, is I think when that Holy Spirit— descended on Jesus, you know, at his, when he was baptized, there, there's a significance there because he then led a perfect life, but he had led a perfect life up until that time. He then begins this ministry and shows these displays, you know, through the spirit that he's it's all about son power, of God power. And then he, when he dies, well, that's God's justice being demonstrated that we're all now, qualified because we've been purified because of that death on a cross yep. to receive God's spirit. So it, you, I, I'm look, I'm with you on the resurrection, but the resurrection took place because the spirit of God raised him up. Yeah. So you have to back up. And, and when you see that it was received, it was then lived out a perfect life became a sacrifice which made the spirit available from God's perspective to us. We then receive God's spirit, the spirit of sonship, and you are resurrected. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to 
take it and pick out a moment of time when you have a whole process that had to be given is what I'm pushing back on a little bit. Yes, I mean, I'm in agreement, but I think it was the whole process. By If you didn't have the spirit, no, nothing happens. You're standing there. There's as no human. ministry. There, There's no resurrection. That, that spirit had to, you know, it house him before this begins, yep. which led to the oh, resurrection. Yeah. So I just I got so like so I got that. one more, and we won't have time to discuss it, which is why it's good we have overtime. Not only did the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus when he began his ministry, when he got baptized, but guess who was the one that caused the cells to join together in the womb of Mary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like mm. where you're going with this. See. The Holy Spirit. It's, so, is that the same spirit that was hovering over the waters when the God said <laughs> he's still hovering over the waters, people? Well, yeah, and then you, read, you read John 14. So you think about that in relationship to a father, the Holy Spirit, yeah. in, in essence, was, was presenting the role of father by be, the beginning of life of Jesus' human form. In Mary's womb, yeah, yeah I, I, think it's a, I, I, right, I think it's. I think. I think you're right, though, Jace. I mean, I, I, I. By the way, no one's ever, no one's ever pulled that off out. <laughs> never been done before. Never been done before. Never be done again. But I think that they're in the New Testament in Jesus, in in Jesus, in the incarnation. This Father, Son, and Spirit is being revealed. To your point, Jace. Yeah, I haven't talked a whole lot about the Spirit in this. Uh, to, but I, but yeah, I mean, he was there the entire time as well. Well, that's where I was. I was going. I know we're out of time, but that's where I was going with that. Is that that's the complexity of this because it is all working together. It God is a Trinity that works together, and when you start trying to divide it up, it becomes complex. And so I was just so. Trying to, so hang on, hang on, Zach. hold that thought because we didn't give you time last time, but we are going to let you begin. This time, so so we're going to take this over into overtime. This one discussion from the last one led to a whole new podcast. If you want to follow us over to hear Zach's scintillating response, uh, follow us over to overtime, blazetv.com slash unashamed uh, for our overtime segment. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.